Hey everybody! It's really friggin' early in the morning for me. It's top of the afternoon for Ron. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, another episode of Next Planet Over where we discuss our favorite sci-fi, fantasy, action, horror, anything that's not like comedy oriented. Just like uh, the stuff that plain and simply was a step beyond reality, I guess is what you would call it. Yeah. Like that. Um, <laughs> That's beyond. It's really not that early, though. I usually get up at 6 o'clock in the morning. I just slept in like crazy. It's 9. Uh, what is it? There, it's noon there for you, yeah. So. Um, yeah, I just ate lunch, man. It's good. Yeah, I, mean, I, I haven't even bre- ate breakfast yet. So, uh, this episode, we're discussing some superhero shows. Uh, basically, uh, well, except for one, they're all from the 70s. Um, but it's kind of a grouping. It's it's around that era where everybody became fascinated again with comic strip heroes, the pulpy campiness oh, of superheroes. Uh, a lot of it's because of the Superman movie was such a phenomenon. And I think that's what got a couple of these greenlit, clearly. Um, Wonder Woman is something I did not experience when it was originally on. I don't think I experienced any of these when they were originally on, to tell you the truth, because I was so young. Uh, do you remember yeah. watching any of these as a kid? I remember watching all but Spider-Man. I uh, didn't know that movie existed until probably the last decade. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, the Wonder Woman we caught in reruns on uh, the. If you listen to the show, you know we bring up Super Fifty Five Fox on a regular basis. <laughs> Actually, it was before it was Fox. It was just Super Fifty Five. We love Happy. Yeah, and Steve Shine, his leathery couch of a face. <laughs> <laughs> But they used to rerun this. I want to say it was after Little House on the Prairie. They they did for only a couple years. The show was only on for three years anyway. There wasn't a lot of episodes. But isn't it funny that a show back then could be on for one year and still get rerun to like crazy on these little independent stations because they were so hungry for content? That's terrible. It's... There wasn't anything out there, you know? Anyway. Well, I think we're overwhelmed now. I cannot even choose what to watch sometimes. I forget that I'm in the middle of a show for like a month. I go... Oh, right. I, got you. I didn't finish that season. Son of a... You know, there's too much content now. Well, Lost in Space, I just picked it back up for season two, but only because I got a reminder saying, hey, yeah. season two is now out. Oh, I yeah. Was, uh, I was watching The Boys on Amazon, and I got to episode four, and I said, this is the greatest TV show of all time. And then I haven't even watched episode five yet. It's been like four <laughs> right. days. It's only nine episodes long. I've watched long. about one or two episodes. I'm sorry, go ahead. It's only nine episodes long. I don't know why it's taking me so long to get through nine episodes. Yeah, well, that's just it. There's so much. You're watching too many other things. I literally have one or two episodes of a lot of shows that I want to sit down and watch, but it just doesn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> I've never finished Lost. I got uh, three, maybe three quarters of the way through the last season, and I never finished it. I have no idea why. Because I just don't want to know how it ends. <laughs> I can't believe I still have it. Hasn't not been spoiled for me yet. It's been a decade. It's a decade. I was going to say that's an old one. <laughs> yeah, it still hasn't been ruined for me. I don't know how this is possible. <laughs> But uh, because everyone else has moved on, so. <laughs> <laughs> the seventies. Uh, yeah, I'm avoiding a lot of stuff about Rise of Skywalker. I don't want it ruined. Um, I hear you. I don't go to the theater anymore. It just annoys the shit out of me going to the movie theater. I just wait three months and it's on video. That's the way it is now. I used to have to wait six months to a year. Yeah. Uh, where are we at? Oh, uh, so uh, Wonder Woman is part of the post Vietnam. Hey, let's get back to the good old days where we had a lot of fun. And all of a sudden, stuff from the Roaring Twenties and, and that era started becoming popular again. World War II stuff um, started getting greenlit. You know, we started getting movies and stuff like that. And Wonder Woman is part of that. 
It was set in the 1940s. It uh, sticks close to the old school mythology before they rebooted it in the Silver Age. And I think Linda Carter is great, and so is... Uh, oh, crap. I just forgot his name. Lyle Wagner. He plays Steve. Um, I really enjoyed them, but I hated the campiness of it. It, it seemed like it was an episode of laughing. <laughs> what? Not that bad. <laughs> oh, we do, well, did you watch the very first episode? I only watched the very first of uh, season one and season two. Uh, I remember watching a lot, of, so I'm going off of what I remember on okay. Wonder Woman because I could I wasn't able to get access. To yeah, it. that's on the uh, DC app right now. It's exclusive to that. And that's the pain. Right. Thankfully, I have access to it. But I do remember the campiness of it. Um, but I was also a kid, and that sort of thing. True. I mean, we also loved the Batman show back then, too, and we, did, we tolerated the campiness of that. I watch it now, and I'm like, oh, my word. <laughs> the uh, the villains is where it falls apart, I think. They're so hammy. They're so over the top. And they're all played by comedians. It was Henry Gibson and uh, that tall German guy from the producers. I can't remember his name all of a sudden. Uh, but, you know, it was, it was a, a big tongue-in-cheek with that. And I was like, well, you have the potential for a really great show, but you forget that comic strip stuff was kind of treated like camp. I mean, if you remember the Flash Gordon movie or um, Annie, Popeye, uh, even the first Superman is a little campy. Otis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, well, the first Superman, the camp comes right out of the comic books, if you ask me, because they're trying their best to... Capture the spirit, yeah, and I th- well, they're yeah. going back on the old school comics because by the time the movie was made, the seventies comics I think were a little more serious. They weren't Batman serious, but they were a little more straightforward. True that. But uh, Linda Carter is a hero for her ages. I mean, I, I got to tell you, I don't know a whole lot of female uh, heroes at that time outside of like maybe the exploitation films where. They had to find some sort of niche that wasn't being uh, tackled onto by the uh, the studios. And the fact that Warner Brothers said, hey, let's get this big budget, and it was expensive at the time, big budget action show with a female lead, that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I think right up until our Gal version of her, Linda's held, but what's the word I'm looking for? The mantle? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we had animated yeah. versions, which were great, but that's not the same thing. Right, right, right. The uh, what do you think of the new Wonder Woman movie? The one I that came out a couple it, years ago. To be honest, but I'm also coming into it from a guy who does hasn't really read a whole lot of comics. Um, so what I know, I know from cartoons or something along yeah, those lines. From Justice League it. is what I mostly know it from. For me, yeah. I thought she was fantastic as Wonder Woman, and I thought the plotting was really great. And then all of a sudden, at the end, it has that thing that curses a lot of big budget superhero movies. Is the ending is so big, so much CGI that I no longer care. Mm. I got you. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm interested in this 84 one because, uh, well, first off, I, I love anything 80s because I have apparently a mental disease for the 80s. Um, but also because they look like they're playing with her reality, which uh, I think it's Felix Faust is the villain, which... That's a, that's a weird thing is they never really bring up any of the classic villains in the in the old Wonder Woman TV shows as far as I could tell, but Felix Faust is a classic in the comics and he's a guy who can use magic to change your perception of reality and I, I wonder what that's going to do to her. So I'm like, oh wow, Wonder Woman 1984 is that what it's called? Yep. Wow, oh, interesting. Wait, wait, is this coming? Okay. 
Rewind. <laughs> what? 1984. Is that upcoming? Yeah, it's supposed to be, I think, in May. Oh. Yeah, they released a trailer oh, last is... month. How did this you miss this? where I am. This is the first <laughs> I've heard of this. So, interesting. I was going to say, that's Gal Gadot. That's not 80s artwork. That is... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. but uh, Linda Carter, sadly, I don't really think that she did a whole hell of a lot after the show. I know she they tried some show. I can't remember what it was called. It was like some sort of spy show where it was her and, um, oh, my God, my memory's failing me. Uh, Burt Reynolds, Lonnie Anderson. Um, it was Lonnie Anderson and her, and they were like high-class detectives, like, you know, the style of Moonlighting. And uh, that didn't go. Even though I watched a couple episodes, I found it really enjoyable. But after that, I, I think she just kind of settled into, hey, I had my time in the spotlight. I think she uses a lot of it for like charity work and stuff like that. She'll do guest spots here and there, but right. the 80s is kind of where it faded out for her. I want to say she did like an episode of The Dukes of Hazard and Susan Super Troopers? What? Yeah, you remember? Oh, yeah, she's, a, she's the mayor, I believe, in Super Troopers, who, who's oh, okay. going to cut off their funding because there's such a disorderly mess. Gotcha. Well, I have to be honest. I have not actually seen this movie. Oh, okay. It's all right. It's not that great. Uh, some people hold it up on a pedestal. And I think humor is very um, subjective. Uh, so what one person finds hilarious, the other person might not. Um, I think it's, it's one okay. one of those movies yeah. where you know, it got to the point, and I apologize if you just love this movie, but when it came out, it was at a time in my life where that kind of movie just didn't really appeal to me much anymore. I wanted something a little more... Substantial, yeah. You're talking because if you had said like eight years earlier with the whole when we started discovering like Cheech and Chong and stuff like that, that's when we were like we would have been crazy for Super Troopers, like in the early nineties. Exactly. Yes. But um, so season one was very expensive. It did okay in the ratings. So Wonder Woman was canceled, but there was an outcry for it, and they're like, "Well, how do we bring this back?" And they decided, "Well, let's have her come back in the modern age, and um, so we can save on set pieces and uniforms and stuff like that." And also, let's cut the cast down in, in shooting days. So, seasons two and three are set in the 70s. And they argue that uh, Steve Steve Trevor's son looks exactly to the T the same. <laughs> He's in an airplane that also happens to crash on that island. And Wonder Woman finds him then falls in love with him. Which is kind of weird. If you're in love with the dad and then you fall in love with the son, that's, that's a little unnerving. <laughs> a little unnerving. Yeah, a little uncomfortable. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the the seasons two and three just aren't as interesting to me because I really love seeing the old sets of the 1940s. And uh, it was, I, I guess I would rather have two more seasons at a lower budget than a, uh, a show that was canceled after one year. Yeah, I'm on the same wagon there, so. Yeah, I mean, you still have the same elements. Um, you still have what Linda Carter as Wonder Woman, and that's one of the biggest things. And you had a lot of goofball, uh, wild writing. Um, I just wish back then they had the same kind of budget. Like they do with the superhero shows now, anything is possible. I mean, Flash, they, they had a, he fought a giant talking shark, for Pete's sake. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But uh, for me... Um, how should play... How much, well, after the movies come out, how would she play out on... Small screen, that'd be kind of a bummer. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. She's one of the big three happen. now, and they're not going to put Superman. Um, 
Well, they might put Superman on TV again because that seems like that's the one franchise they seem to be able to put on television and cinema at the same time. It's really strange how they're able to balance that with that hero. Could they bring uh, the Arrowverse Superman to his own show? Or that's what I was thinking. They're probably going to find a way. Um, He doesn't seem very Superman like to me, though. I've seen him, and I just I don't see it. But I've never seen the actual episodes. Well, the episodes with him in it. I mean, he's Superman, Superman. But it's more about he's supporting character, so they can't focus too much on him because then it yeah. takes the limelight away. And I think that's what what burnt out the other shows um, and why Smallville lasted so long is because they were smart with Smallville and they focused beyond Superman, but beyond yeah. Clark, I should say, because he wasn't Superman yet. But right. Lois and Clark burned themselves out. Superboy burned itself out. You know, it, a lot of times yeah. if you don't if you don't build your universe with other characters, then people get sick of the same old, same old. Are you on the, are you on the train where you wish that they would have done something with him, in Smallville, at least at the very end? Yeah, I wanted, I wanted a season. Uh, well, I mean, I guess in the comics they they give him something of a uniform because they have a Smallville season eleven, season twelve. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I kind of didn't want the show to end with him just flying off and it was just like a shadow, uh, right. and you see the cape. And I was like, all ah, right. I think they were secretly hoping they could do more with it that they could bring it back and if they'd have done that that would have been the nail in the coffin yeah I think uh, a lot with that universe well I think what DC has decided to do I haven't watched the event at all the comic or Crisis on Infinite Earths is uh, that all these universes exist and that they're going to meld into one just like the way it was in the comic series and um, that Smallville still exists in a way in some sort of portal universe at the same time as Flash Supergirl and arrow. Right. So there's multiple green arrows going around right now. That's interesting. Huh. See, I like the arrow from Smallville, but the, I'm a bigger fan of the new arrow. I, I don't know. I don't know. I got burned out on season three of the new arrow, so I, I don't know if I'll ever make it back. I gotta find a way to get catch up on all these shows, though. Damn. There's too much content. <laughs> I haven't even <laughs> touched Gotham yet. <laughs> I haven't watched a single episode of Gotham yet. I'm still stuck on season one of Legends of the, the DC Universe, or what do we call it? It's, what? Yeah, I know, I know. Shut up. Uh, don't you judge me. <laughs> um, I also do five podcasts, and I'm watching stuff for the, these shows all the time. And uh, well, frankly, well, that was the decision I came to, and I'm sure you saw the post, is uh, I realized that I have a full-time job, I'm getting older, and I'm spending so much time and money on these podcasts that it's time to start whittling it down. I figure Next Planet Over has maybe about... 10 15 more episodes to go before I've covered what I want to cover and just move on. But uh um yeah, I just it's, it's about focusing on and also I think it's just it's for the audience. They don't know which show to go with. There's too many things. So it's all moving under the hit rewind banner, which the pilot episode and I have episode 2 already launched. I'm just going to relaunch everything under that. Gotcha. Okay, so our second show is uh, The Incredible Hulk, and I think that's one that most of us really, really remember. Uh, that one played yeah. in syndication forever, lasted the longest of these superhero shows. Four years is forever with a sci-fi show back then. Four years? Is it four years? Yeah, I mean, most sci-fi shows don't last. Well, if you don't count the movies. Do you count the movies? I say it says five seasons. That's what I was Was wondering. it five seasons? Okay, maybe you're right. I'm yeah. sorry. I thought it only lasted... That's from, all right. I thought it lasted from 78 to 82, but... Um, but uh, Although, you got to take out the grain of salt. This is Wikipedia. Yeah. So. Well, no, Wikipedia sometimes <laughs> is on the nose. IMDb is usually the one that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
so it's kind of funny that this show didn't wear out its welcome because there's no forward motion at all. Uh, it's amazing how it just took the fugitive concept, the man on the run from somebody, and right. you know, a new identity every week. It's just this time instead of you know uh, him being on the run looking for the one armed man, it's uh, don't make me angry, and then all of a sudden he ma- someone makes him angry, and uh, uh, he, he turns green yeah. and tears stuff up. It's it's amazing. Every episode, same He's formula, like, and people are like, "Yeah, I'm good. I'm good for another season." <laughs> you're like, "Dang it, <sighs> not gonna move again." <laughs> it's amazing how nowadays it's so impossible to get a job you have to fill out all these forms background checks he just walks into a department store he's like hey do you need any help around here yeah sure I don't know even your your name or whatever I'll give you a job every single week <laughs> you look like a fine upstanding young man Wait, yeah. old man middle aged man uh- <laughs> middle aged man um so yeah, it's just kind of funny that he'll walk into a department store. It's like, hey, do you need a janitor? Like, uh, yeah, sure. And there's no paperwork. There's just you give him sixty bucks at the end of the day, or end of the week, because it was the seventies, kids. Sixty bucks a week was probably normal. <laughs> and uh, and then oh, someone almost found him. He's on the run. That reporter's after him, and then move on to the next thing. What I think works though is a Bill Bixby was generally an everyman that you could connect to. If it wasn't... I love the fact that he was... The one thing about him having new jobs every now and again is the fact that he was this great scientist, you know, or doctor, whatever he was exactly. And He's not above... He's not beyond uh, doing menial tasks to, right. <laughs> to get by. I think, I think that's what made you connect to him because a lot of these shows, when they have, like, science, um, it's hard to connect to the character because you, most people don't do science as a living. <laughs> But they do the normal blue collar jobs, and I think that's what another endearing quality of him is that he was yeah humble. I guess is the word I'm looking for. Very much so. Yeah, and well, he had to be a very calm guy too. True, and he had to uh, constantly get himself in these situations where he knew that it was going to aggravate him and, and possibly reveal who he really is inside. And ruin everything that he just built. But he has to do the right thing. He has to save this person, protect this person, whatever. And that's right. another quality that you really connected to. Yeah. All personal safety aside. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, for him, after the show ended, obviously there's the TV movies, which we'll discuss here in a minute. But what was uh, interesting about him is that he parlayed that whole job into directing. He started doing a bunch of episodes of the show, and then after he left Incredible Hulk, he really didn't do much more acting. He mostly just did directing, and uh, that would carry him until the end of his life. And it didn't go as well for Lou Ferrigno when it came to quality, but he got right. to shine in a lot of kind of weird, interesting exploitation films. And he still <laughs> acts to this day, and he's a lot of uh, he's a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. I saw him at the he convention in September. He still looks great. You saw what convention? I went to the Portland Comic Con in uh, September, and he was there. Uh, I was kind of sad that there was nobody in line for him, really. And I couldn't afford uh, uh autograph. It was like 50 bucks. Oh, it's from two, Instant Death from 2017. Oh, yeah, I see that on the streaming sites all the time. I, uh, it looks... Not my cup of tea anymore. Maybe 20 years ago when I was an action junkie. Right. We were Von Dahmen. 
there was a word I came up with. Had like all three of the four of the big names in those movies mixed together. Yeah, it's all like Seagal, Dolph Lundgren, Van Damme. If you're talking top tier, though, are you adding top tier like Schwarzenegger and Stallone? Yes. Oh, okay. I thought I... I'd come up with the name a while back where I put them all together, but anyway. I've slept since then. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he went on to do, like, the, the Hercules movies, which played on TV constantly. Those are crazy, crazy movies. Um, there's a poster. You probably looked this up while I, I uh, talk. Um, there was a poster for a movie called All's Fair, which is, strangely enough, about the paintball craze of the 80s, you know, with Gotcha, has Robert Carradine, right. George Segal, Sally Kellerman, and Lou Ferrigno. And the guy who did the art is Drew Struzan, arguably the greatest uh, poster guy of all time. Did Raiders Lost Ark and all that stuff. Goonies. Okay. But he did the poster for All's Fair, and I don't know how he captures Lou Ferrigno and Robert Carradine's face so perfectly. And uh, sadly, the movie doesn't live up to the quality of the poster, but it's still entertaining nonetheless. But uh, I think he, I think he rebounded when he started doing um, King of Queens, where he was playing himself and just a normal guy in the neighborhood instead of what we had seen him as, you know, for, as like a mega, a mega hero, you know, someone beyond reality. He was just a normal Joe who just happened to be really strong. Was he also? UPS guy as well or something like that wasn't he that a delivery guy he might have been but I thought he just lived in the neighborhood with Kevin James who was the oh, UPS okay. guy yeah I don't uh, know why I picture him ripping out that costume for some reason maybe it's possible it <laughs> not in a bad way <laughs> oh, it could have been an episode why I put my face way too close to him like good god um, <laughs> I lean forward and I'm like, I don't know why I talked like that um, but yeah, for the Incredible Hulk, uh, so it lasted those seasons, and it was huge in syndication. And then New World, uh, New World bought the comics. Okay, so this is a little confusing. Uh, the guy who owned Revlon, and his name I believe is Lou Perelman, not to be confused with Lou Perelman <laughs> of the Backstreet Boys, who also went to jail. Um, Lou Perelman. Um, he owned Revlon. He bought New World Pictures from Roger Corman. And then he bought Marvel Comics, thinking that he could utilize both universes together, you know, promote the movies and the comics, and the comics he could adapt to the movies, which he did with Punisher, but it went straight to video. But before that, right. he did the Incredible Hulk movies, uh, 1987, 88, and 90. Uh, 87 is the one with Thor, and as if no one knew who the fuck Thor was, he doesn't... He doesn't act like Thor. He's just a drunken idiot the entire time. I I demand mead and fighting. And I'm like, that's not Thor. No, stop it. <laughs> Got a question for you. Yeah. Ruffalo or Ferrigno? <laughs> I really not like... Ferrigno. Well, they're two... Di- no, no, no. Hold on. That's two different things, though. I should say Banner, but... Uh, uh, oh, crap. I forgot his name. Well, with, okay, so with Lou Ferrigno no, is Hulk, so it's not the same as the way you yeah. want to talk about Ruflo. No, Ruflo uses CGI to become the creature, plus he has more time utilizing both sides. Ferrigno right. got, never got that chance. Now we're talking all the Hulks. We have Edward Norton, we have Eric Bana, Mark Ruffalo, and then we have the Bixby Ferrigno, and I'm going to go with Ruffalo. I'm with you on that. Edward Norton's was interesting. But he was almost so somber and, you know, withdrawn that it was hard to enjoy. And I can't make yeah. heads or tails of the first Hulk movie, the Eric Banner with the giant poodles. I don't, I don't. 
I've only ever seen it once though, mind you. Everybody says it's a classic now. I'm like, what? Yeah. Did the world turn on I itself? I wanted to like that. Huh? I love that Farina was in that. Yeah. But I, I wanted it to be so much better. Yeah. <laughs> it just seemed like a weird direct. Well, it's a director's film. It wasn't. A, see, everybody yes. argues about Disney taking too much control over their properties so they don't have room to breathe and become their own thing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but Marvel Comics is a whole world run by a company who makes it unified. I mean, it's really hard mm-hmm. to let them go off into their own universe. It, it's a big yeah. picture thing. And uh, you, that's why you watch The Avengers, because they work so hard to bring all these worlds together. Yep. And I yes, think they've done a fantastic job. I, I do, but I also believe the end of the, the Marvel massiveness is coming. Because I believe yeah. everybody was holding on for Endgame. And after that, I think it's kind of peaked, and it's going to be a slow dip in box office and interest, because unless some other big event that I can't think of that could be possibly bigger than Thanos, I don't know what it could be. Right. I have no clue. Yeah, it just seems like uh, now it's going to be what, just smaller be the next guy, but Maybe Kang? Kang? I can't see the word. Kang uh, went the through conqueror. time and, and changed everything, but I don't know who else is left. You're asking the wrong guy there. Yeah, but. I know. You're not that big on you. You read Savage Dragon. That was about it. <laughs> I loved comics. I just never had the, I never put the money into them before because I didn't have it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. The uh, TV's free, people, for the most part. Uh, comics were still like, oh, God, I need like $5 just to finish the story. What the hell? And back in the right. 80s, that was a lot of money. Um, now, if the library would have checked, you know. Yeah, right. back then, the library did no, not have right. any comic books. Nowadays, you go to the library and they have tons of comics. Oh, yeah. Full book to, or cover to cover series, yeah, and hardback. It's amazing. Love that. Um, well, also you couldn't rent movies back then either, so no. Um, where we at? Oh, yeah. So the the Return of the Incredible Hulk with Thor is such a mess. The trial of Incredible Hulk, which is what you were asking me about before we went recording, is mm-hmm. um, yes, that is Daredevil Rex Smith, who clearly has a problem pretending that he's blind, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and also for some reason they had to give him a black costume, and I don't know why. Actually, I didn't get to that point, unfortunately. But. Yeah. So, so Daredevil's actually in, obviously in the movie. Yeah, he wears like a ninja costume, basically. It's not too far <laughs> off, though, from the costume he wore in the first season on Netflix, though. That's kind of what I was thinking. Maybe and, it's just the beginning. Yeah, uh, John Reese davies um, is Kingpin, who just isn't that intimidating. He's not. He's very proper and British, and he's very fancy beard, and... You know, he doesn't seem like the kingpin. He's just a large guy. He's not even, he doesn't even seem that large. Not the way, like, uh, the ones in the movie and the TV show are. Those guys are big. Yeah, I think he was miscast. Yeah. Uh, then the third and final one was the death of Incredible Hawk, which we all thought was going to be BS. So there's no way they're going to kill him. And I didn't know that Bill Bixby was sick at the time. And that's why they killed it off. Mm. Kind of sad. Yeah. And, and some people might know this or not, but uh, they were planning on doing a third spinoff. Uh, so, so they tried a, a, a Thor. Um, maybe I can't talk. With Thor, they did a pilot episode after the movie, and it didn't go. Daredevil did it, a pilot for the TV show, and it didn't go. And then uh, with the third Hawk, they were like, "Hey, let's introduce She-Hawk. That way, they can carry on the mantle if Bill Bixby doesn't want to do this anymore." And it, for some reason, it never happened, and that was kind of a shame because I would have been. It would have been cool to have a female Hawk. Yeah. And, and the difference between She-Hawk and Hawk was. That she was able to balance both at the same time. She never changed. She was always She-Hawk. And she had the intellect and the emotional control. And it happened to be a lawyer. <laughs> Just tall and green. <laughs> so 
I thought I'd heard whisperings that they were trying to get something like that off the ground. Yeah, I think now. they're trying to do that now, too. I think uh, Freeform, they're going to be doing a She-Hulk TV show. That'll be good. Though it's weird, because I think Freeform's for families. So I'm not sure if I have that right. I could be wrong. What? Not Someone's good. calling me in the middle of us talking? That is rude. How dare they? They should know. Yeah. I didn't know. I, I have a new phone, and it's very hard to control. <laughs> Put them on the spot. Yeah. Put hey, buddy, you're live recording. Oh, my God, I should have done that. I should have done that. Hey, we're recording. What, what are your thoughts on uh, The Incredible Hulk? <laughs> <laughs> Answer the phone like you called them. Dig it. Yeah. Hey, buddy, how's it going? <laughs> like, uh, fine. Uh, hey, uh, can I sell you something? Oh, what? Can I sell you on the idea of being a guest on this podcast right now while you're on the clock? <laughs> Dang, I missed opportunity. I gotta remember that. Um, hey, uh, so uh, so that was the end of it. And of course, there's the awesome animated series from the '80s and '90s, which I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. But uh, whew, I keep on getting this tired. I guess it's because it's early in the morning. Um, Spider-Man. Now, this is one that I caught as a rerun when they packaged up the TV shows into movies, and uh, they aired it on Fox like late one Saturday night. And I happen to record the first movie. It's the only one I've ever seen. I know there's others that were that made it to VHS, um, but this one is actually better than I ever expected. I, I really I'm didn't. I'm on the same boat. I didn't think I was going to like it. I remember being unexcited as a child because I expected bigger action. I you start the more you learn about film and what was possible in the '70s, you're like, oh my god, they're able to do these kind of stunts and these fight sequences right. back then, climbing the buildings like that. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think they were pulling the whole Batman thing, you know, where they, he climbed up the side where it was actually flat. Well, there's a couple scenes in there where it's flat. Like you see the broad shots, and they're on this wall. But um, there's a few lines. It looks like because you can tell he's floating. Oh. <laughs> but there's also a few where they do green screen. Yeah, or, or like old there. old school mat shots because I you would see cars moving below him, and I'm like, what? How did they? So it was kind of impressive for 1978, 79? Yeah. I'd say in the big grand scheme, I mean, you could tell those shots, but it wasn't so blatantly in your face. That right. It takes it completely out of it. And I, I honestly went into this remembering some of the scenes from, like, a couple of fight scenes and people picking on it, and I'm like, I'm never going to like this. But I actually, story-wise, I liked it. The only thing that really took me out of it was the fact that I wasn't. I couldn't get used to the fact that the Spider-Man theme was nowhere involved. In right. The um, by this point, we do have the classic '60s cartoon, and but I think it was owned by a different company at the time. And we had Spider-Man on the Electric Company, and he was a phenomenon. I still have a picture somewhere around here from like 1982 with Spider-Man who came to Southtown Mall, and I oh, sat Southtown. in his lap with my uncle, who was also just a little bit older than me, um, and, I, and it's the same costume. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and this is before Spider-Man had the really big eyepieces, which are normal, I think, for the last 30 years. This is back when he had like the tiny, yeah. concentrated ones. This looks like little silver pieces. It's a little odd, but... Yeah. But I, I thought Nicholas Hammond was perfectly serviceable as uh, Peter Parker. Yeah. He was enjoyable. He was a lot older than I expected. When I looked him up, he was like 27. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I could think... I don't know. The comics was, in, was he in high school or in college? He was in high school for most of the comics, uh, at least so when I read college, him. I, I, he switched over into college, I think, around issue two hundred, 
and it had been around by then for 20 years. So moving right. on to college, and um, that's what we normally see him now is in high school. The problem, the weirdest thing is, they, every movie seems to have him in high school, but Tobey Maguire looks so old, and so did Andrew Garfield. It's only Tom Holland who looks like he belongs in high school. Right. So at some and point, I'm they got to move him on to college. I think they did that with Spider-Man 3, though. He's finally out of college, and he's just an adult. Right. Like, Tom Holland finally hit the na- nail on the head. Oh, he is the best. Flat-out best Spider-Man. Yeah. He's, he's excellent as Peter Parker and Spider-Man, which works. Because Andrew Garfield was an amazing... I was like, really going to walk into this one. It was an amazing Spider-Man. Didn't mean to do that right. on purpose. <laughs> um, and Tobey Maguire was an amazing uh, Peter Parker, but they never gelled together. No. Yeah. I was like, you had to you got to have the wit. Yeah. I think he, he's got that. He's got but that. also he has to be the guy who is, when he's Peter Parker, he's insecure, he's unsure of himself, but when he's Spider-Man, he becomes like, it's a Jekyll and Hyde kind of idea. Right, right. Definitely. The, um, Nicholas Hammond, uh, this is the craziest part. Have you seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I think so. It's the one that just came out with Brad Pitt and uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio? Oh, no. Okay, so I've seen the previews for it. No, I've not actually seen it. So there's a part in there where Leonardo DiCaprio is on an old Western TV show. And he's supposed to give the performance of a lifetime because his career has gone down the toilet. And he's having a nervous breakdown because he can't get it together. And the director comes up to them. They have a huge scene together. And I don't know who this guy is. He's playing a real-life director named Sam Wanamaker. And... um, and I just keep going, who is this old guy? He is absolutely amazing. It was supposed to be Burt Reynolds, but Burt Reynolds sadly passed away before it could be filmed. And yeah. I looked it up, and it's Nicholas Hammond, who has not done anything in America since Spider-Man. He's, a, he's basically been acting in Australia and Philippines and stuff like that, in these low-rent things. And all of a sudden, he's just like a 10-minute sequence in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and he knocks it out of the park. And I couldn't believe it was the same guy who played Spider-Man. That's awesome. Yeah, he's great. And apparently he's in The Sound of Music. Yeah, that's what his huh. first thing was, I believe, was Sound of Music. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, of course, a lot of these TV shows, the problem is they don't dive into the mythos they built into the comic book. They get the basic story right, but they don't build on that. They don't add any of the villains that you know. So Spider-Man yeah. basically has just your generic everyday criminal. Same thing with Wonder Woman and Hulk is they don't bring in because the budget was so tight. Or they couldn't figure out how to do it because special effects were still in their infancy. I would have enjoyed some of the more street-level characters showing up in Spider-Man, but it just never happened. Yeah, I was hoping for Fisk, but that didn't. Yeah, or or I'm trying to think of somebody now. Maybe Shocker? He, you could have done Shocker because uh, he just has those little wristbands that send electricity through people. You could do that through animation. Uh, there you go. Yeah, stuff like that. Maybe maybe Vulture you could possibly do that with. But a lot of these guys, it would have been impossible. Like Sandman? No way. There's no way they could have done that. No. Uh, Hobgoblin flying around? It just sure. wouldn't have happened. <laughs> Thankful uh, for that. Yeah, it would have looked, it would all have been stop motion animation or something. It would have looked really off-putting. You know what? I love the fact that... Okay, so... Of course, I guess in the Tobey Maguire ones, he was out in broad daylight, too, trying out his new powers. But it seemed like everything he did when he was trying to explore, it was all broad daylight. Like, yeah. how are you going to hide this from anybody? <laughs> <It> wasn't exactly <laughs> You're out in front of your freaking house. Yeah, I wasn't hiding a secret identity. <laughs> and uh, they do, uh, they have J. Jonah Jameson in there and uh, Robbie, uh, who works in the newspaper. But J. Jonah Jameson doesn't look like the one that we know, you know, with the crazy little mustache and spiked up hair. 
So that was awful. I was like, oh, that that was so easy to do. (laughs) So easy to do. And, yeah. He was too nice. Way too nice. (laughs) Yeah. So, but I I still think it's worth watching because what they uh, achieved was impressive. I don't, I never got beyond the original movie, the other episodes. I don't know if the budget was even smaller or not, but it only lasted half a season. And for the most part, it was forgotten. Yeah. Or never knew about. Yeah. Um, That's right. Our final show is not based on a comic book, but it did become a comic book later, written by William Catt and uh, uh, other fans of the show. But uh, I believe Kevin Smith even contributed to Greatest American Hero. Um, This is interesting because at the time that Superman broke out, a lot of these companies weren't licensing out or they just were impossible with the budget. Like, you just couldn't achieve them. But people would go out and create their own stuff that were not licensed, like Puma Man and uh, Captain Invincible <laughs> and, and stuff like that. Uh, but Greatest American Puma Heroes... What? Pro- What's that? Sorry. Puma what? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Captain Invincible was uh, with Alan Arkin. It was an Australian movie. It was awful. Um, but uh, Greatest American Hero is legit. It's, it had studio backing. It had Stephen J. Cannell behind it. William Catt was already cemented as... Um, uh, a film actor because he was in Big Wednesday and Carrie and he comes to this TV show and it has a good budget. I mean, the special effects are quite impressive for that year. And I truly enjoyed the hell out of it. I swore up and down that I watched the first season of this and I didn't like it, so I sold it and never watched it again. And I watched the first episode and I went, I don't remember any of this. I don't think I ever watched this. It was all fresh. I remember when I was a kid seeing reruns and I think I might have caught the final season when it originally aired because I was about four or five by then but I just I really loved it and I'm worried about seeing season three because I heard that they dumbed it down for children and they took out a lot of the more mature uh, plotting and I'm, I'm not eager to watch the final season that would have been terrible it's like wasn't he in what was that movie Baby, I think it was. It was yeah, the the secret of the lost legend, and he was in House yeah. as well. That was the first movie I ever watched in a movie in a drive-in movie theater. For that really, movie. was Baby, and I think Dark Crystal. How is it you and I are talking about this for the first time? I've known you for almost thirty years, and I'm pretty sure you knew that Popeye was the first movie I saw in theaters. But I don't think I've ever known what the first movie you ever so. saw. If you saw Baby and Legends at the same time, that's weird because Dark... Or not Legends, sorry. I did that all backwards. Dark Crystal. Dark Crystal is from 82. You might have seen okay, something... Well, okay, They're so probably separate. Baby is from Disney. And I'm thinking if it was 85, you might have seen it with Return to Oz, possibly Labyrinth. Might have been Labyrinth. Because that had a lot of puppets okay. in it, and I believe that's from Disney, I think. All right. I have no idea. I remember. I yeah. do remember Baby being the first movie I saw on a drive-in. Okay, yeah. Have you watched it what lately? Was with it, I'm not sure. But what's that? Have you watched it again since then? I've been meaning to. I think I've got it on a watch list of one of the many different things that are out there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's on the Disney app. I'm curious to revisit that one because I haven't seen it since I was a child. I even had the book you know, of it. Um, this is a curse a of book? mine that I would. I, well, you know how they always do the adapted versions of it for people who didn't get to see it in the theaters i I read many many books of movies i've never seen (laughs) um but yeah he did that and he did house back to back and house was a big hit 
But for some reason, it didn't parlay into a career for him uh, in film because right after House, he signed on to do Perry Mason um, because he got to work with his mother. His mother was on the original Perry Mason, and he wanted to work with his mother, plus he loved Raymond Burr. And back then, uh, uh, Perry Mason was not a weekly show. It was a series of, I think, six movies a year, and then it became a show again. Right. I forgot. Totally forgot he was in that, but... Yeah, he did that for a few years, and then he did um, a few other TV shows and, and like directed video movies and stuff like that. But he still acts on a regular basis, uh, so his career is still going strong, especially considering how Hollywood likes to throw away people like William Cat. It's it's impressive that he's still able to work. Right. You said House. You meant Our House. No House. You know the the horror movie, the one where he's like a Stephen King kind of writer, and his aunt oh, dies, and he is. goes there to take care of it, and it. it you know you know what I'm talking about. I got you. I see it now. Yeah. Okay. You've seen it, I right? I saw Our House. Okay. In, yeah. I Yes, I have seen it. Okay. That one's fun. I, now that I see the, the artwork. But, um, no, I was just looking through it and I saw Our House. He was, oh, it was only two episodes. Oh, okay. Sorry. Well, that's weird. He was on both. Um, But the concept of the fact, it, it, it reminds me a little bit of Voyagers a little bit. But of course, Voyagers came after Greatest American Hero. Is that mm-hmm. he's given this great gift and this talent or whatever. But he loses the guide on how to use it properly, which happens in Voyagers because he can't use the Omni correctly and he doesn't know anything about history because he's a dope. And uh, the kid has to basically be his guide. Whereas in this one, he has no help whatsoever and he's constantly destroying everything in his path. I loved it. Yeah. Um, but watching it, I went back to I only watched the opening movie, uh, the debut movie. Just realized I'm not talking into my mic. Um, and I'd forgotten how gritty it actually is. You know, I, mean, I hope I don't know. Really well written, I thought. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Stephen was the, a legend the... for a reason. I mean, he made so right. many shows. Right. Yeah, but, but what he did was he took a high concept and he made very interesting characters that you could relate to. And and even when you don't like the sexism of oh shit, what's his name? You know, from I Spy, um, Robert Culp. Uh, you don't like his sexism and his uh, very, very conservative kind of gun-hungry attitude sometimes. Uh, he still knows what he's doing and that he trusts Ralph and and that there is a give and take to people with opposing views. Oh my gosh, Michael Perret is in that. Yeah, well that's the first thing that he broke out in is he was on this for the that's first right. two seasons and the minute it was done, he got hired for Eddie and the Cruisers and became a thing for a while. Nice. I was... <laughs> Okay, this is how bad I am. Okay, so the episode... He's the kid, right? He's the little greaser kid? Yeah, right. Little greaser. He's the big greaser kid. Yeah, he was big. Okay. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. I don't know why it didn't, didn't dawn on me that's who that was. And for life of me, I can't remember her name, but she has the blonde hair. She's the girlfriend of Michael Perret, and she became the lead on V. Is that Faye Grant? Yes, thank you. There you go. Yeah, and uh, I just uh, Connie Selleck is great in it because she's the balance between the two because they fight a lot, and she's the one that has to bring them together to focus on the mission. That's awesome. What else was she in? That is this is the only thing I remember her from. Well, no, she's in a lot. She was like the queen. If, if you know how Robert Urick was in a new show every year and always seemed to get canceled, she was the right. female version of that. So before this, I believe that she was in some sort of flight show. Where she was a stewardess, and that lasted a season. And then she was on, um, I want to say it was Beyond Westworld. 
which was the spinoff from the uh, original movie Westworld. Uh, okay. Then she did this. I kind of lose where she was after this, but I know she was constantly in these TV shows that lasted one or two seasons. But Connie Selica, a name that everybody knows from that era, because she was in so right. much stuff. Let's see. These must have been movies I didn't wasn't cared to see. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you looked under her IMDb listing where it says self, and it said like 800 oh. episodes of uh, The Pyramid, you know, the $10,000 Pyramid, or, or Win, Loser, Draw, right. stuff like that. She seemed like one of those people that could just show up on these on these all the time. I gotcha. I feel like she was yep. somehow connected to Greg Evigan. Was she in a TV show with Greg Evigan? I feel like she was. They, or they were married. I don't know. I should... Um, but, yeah, Connie Selica is definitely one of those faces that was just constantly around during the 80s. Right. Um, I, I remember seeing her in a lot of stuff, but I don't remember what. That's yeah. the problem. <laughs> so, so after the show ended, which a lot of it was the competition was fierce by the third season, uh, the older audience got disconnected. Like I said with Airwolf. Airwolf was so sophisticated and mature, and all of a sudden in season three they decide, well, we're going to make it for kids now. We're going to lose our audience, but we'll save on the budget because we'll get all this new generation of kids, and it didn't work. Right, but um, so they canceled it, but it did so well in syndication that I believe ABC originally had an NBC one to pick it up, because Brandon Tartikoff was always about big ideas, and he had a deal with Stephen J. Canal at the time, and he decided, well, let's make a sequel of sorts, but let's make it the greatest American heroine, and they made one movie, and it was syndicated in the package. You know when they when they threw it out to TV shows. But you cannot find it in the series set now that you, when you go on like Tubi to watch the show, you can't find it. It's on Voodoo right. as well. But you, I've, I've never seen it. And apparently what happens is Ralph does a terrible job of keeping his identity secret, which was part of the rules. And the aliens come down and take the costume and, and the power away from him. And they give it to someone that they find is worthy. But Ralph has to teach her in the ways of how to use it properly. And right. it's supposed to be her show from now on. And it just only went from the movie. That was it. Was it? Oh, I guess she was still in it. Did we know? Was it Connie took it over or somebody else? No, it somebody else. Some young blonde lady. I can't remember her name. Okay. Uh, Connie Selica okay. moved on from that. Um, right. I think she was on. I swear she was on another show at the time. But um, gotcha. <clears throat> but there was a comic book that came out a few years ago that William Cat had a hand in. And then I believe Kevin Smith also worked on. And then it still continues sporadically to this day where they go on for further seasons uh that's the way it is now when a tv show ends the next season is just in a comic book jericho there's a season three in the comics uh buffy there's like seasons eight through 13 in the comics angel continues too. firefly continues all of these tv shows that were popular green hornet all of them they just continue jericho's one i've been you told me about this jericho's this so continuation damn and, and i Hated seeing that one end, and I yeah. still haven't caught up with the comic. Yet. I haven't either. I'm, I haven't got around to reading the comic. I keep thinking I'm going to, but uh, I was thinking Six Million Dollar Man and Bionic Woman have also continued in the comics. I I originally pitched those to you as part of the superhero thing, and I find Bionic Man so boring, and I never got around to Bionic <laughs> Woman. So, yeah, hers wasn't much better, if you yeah. ask me. But this uh, this I, is... I prefer him as uh, the Fall Guy. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, which, damn it, people, can I have more than season one available? Can you let me watch the other five seasons, please? Grand. I know, it's so annoying this happens, because they're not available in syndication, I can't find a bootleg, and I can't... And so I'm watching Fame right now, and I, I have the first two seasons of Fame, and you cannot find seasons three through six anywhere, and it's driving me nuts. They're pulling a uh, BBC 
seemed like a lot of the old Monty Python episodes, uh, I think some of Doctor Who stuff, they all got recorded over or whatever i can't remember what the deal was but yeah they were going to record they over the tapes they didn't need to archive it yeah they, they did the same thing with doctor who but i believe monty python was saved because those guys snuck into the facility and stole the tapes before they were erased. oh good deal good <laughs> deal but a lot of doctor who was lost and i think slowly they're starting to find the old kinescopes or whatever they were of them um oh good deal yeah, so Greatest american hero is still continuing they talk about bringing it back i, I know they did a pilot last year um, with a female greatest American hero, the girl, I can't remember her name, but she's from the new girl, the tall Middle Eastern lady, and they were going to make her the hero, and ABC balked at it. And I think maybe it's because it's superhero glut right now. I don't know if they're just too much. I don't know. Well, <laughs> I think the only people that really get on board with it, unless, I don't know, would be the people of old. But... Yeah, I'll, yeah, that's it's also a thing that there's not a whole lot of nostalgia. If they were going to go for an 80s reboot, they probably should have done it a decade ago when 80s was really right. heating up. Right. Um, as, as much as I hate to say it, the 80s is probably dying out again. Yeah, and, 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 <laughs> no, and while we're here towards the end of this episode, I want to bring this up. Um, this is the last podcast I'm going to do on anything from the 70s. 70s nostalgia is deader than dead. I just... I know this. I want to talk about the Planet of the Apes TV show, but it's, it's not going to happen. Logan's Run, it's not going to happen. It's all 70s. The 80s, I believe, peaked about two years ago, the nostalgia for it, and basically just trying to get through the 80s before no one gives a shit anymore because we're, 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 we're moving on to the 90s. I mean, we're talking, we're at a point right now where oh, Limp Biscuit is considered nostalgia. Oh, Matrix is considered nostalgia. I'm old people. <laughs> I heard a I heard a project pitch today on the radio. It was a what if the Muppets redid certain movies. Yeah, I've heard that. They yeah. just left, you know, if they redid the Matrix, it just left Lawrence Fishburne's character as a live action person. Yeah. <laughs> I um I had one. Kermit I can't, with Neo. I, I pitched one. I can't remember what it was though. But I would love to see like Mouse Hunt, where everybody in it is a Muppet except for Christopher Walken. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Just have who are those two old guys that were in the balcony again in the Muppets? Waldorf and uh, oh my gosh! Yeah, but those two guys, yeah. those are the two fighting over the mouse. <laughs> no, no, it's not called Mouse Hunt. It's called Gonzo Hunt. They spend the entire movie trying to hunt Gonzo. No, we didn't have a mouse. They had uh, Rizzo. They hunt Rizzo through the whole movie. Yes. Well, he's a rat. Yes. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> it, the rats are just mice and steroids. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah, this is the, the last podcast I'm doing on anything from the '70s. It's gonna be '80s here on out. Um, so I don't know what we do for our next episode. Well, I know what we're doing for the next episode. It's not you and I, but um, I'm doing Alien Nation, Hard Time on Planet Earth, and Starman with my friend Josh. Yes. And uh, and then you and I will decide Movie. what to do because we're we're kind of going through this stuff kind of chronologically. So I'm going to look at the TV shows from 1980 through 82 and pick a few from there that we can discuss, and that'll be our next episode. And we might, we're finally getting into a decade where we might have seen it. Yeah, oh, when it originally aired. When it originally aired. <laughs> I cannot wait to hit Voyagers. I know we bring it up on every episode, but I cannot wait. But there's stuff like Tales of the Golden Monkey and The Phoenix um, that are coming up. I, I, there's a few others in there. Uh, the new Twilight Zone I've been watching like crazy, the one that was from 1985 to 88. Oh, it's so good. It, people just dismiss it because it's the sequel, of course, and it doesn't have Rod Sterling involved. 
It's so good! Yeah, there's no William Shatner. Or is there? It might be. His career kind of sucked <laughs> at this point. He might have been like, well, I'm not doing TJ Hooker this week. Let's go shoot an episode of New Twilight Zone. <laughs> Let me fix my girdle Didn't and my wig. did he do multiple episodes of that? Or... Huh? Maybe I'm wrong on that. Didn't he do multiple episodes? I, 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 maybe. I don't know. I never. Here's the thing that's going to make you mad at me. <clears throat> I've never seen a single episode of the Twilight Zone. What? I know, right? I've never seen a single episode. I've seen the movie many, many times. I'm watching right. the second series many, many times. I've never seen a single episode of the original. I've never seen Lost in Space. Um, yet I've seen the movie. I owned the movie, which everybody hates. Um, yeah, a lot of classic sci-fi I've never seen. Of course, I've seen Star Trek, because how could I not? There's a uh, show called The Dummy episode called The Dummy, and that's the one episode that I always remember from the Twilight Zone original, where yeah. the dummy comes to life. Huh. Alright, everybody. It, uh, it creeps me out. He, he's <laughs> Every got time a, I see a dummy because of it. He, yeah, I don't even bring up dummies or uh, dolls or anything. <laughs> um, so he's got to get going to work. i got to start my day. I haven't eaten breakfast or had any coffee or anything. Uh, it's 10 o'clock. I'm a late oh, sleeper. Uh, late sleeper. Sleeping late, oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he needs his coffee so he can write these ditties. Yeah. All right, uh, check us out on Facebook under uh, Next Planet Over, and uh, that's our fan page, and you can share your memories of sci-fi fantasy TV shows and stuff like that. And uh, Ron, thank you for this long-awaited update. No problem. All right, everybody, have a good night. <laughs>